Hello, welcome to the Rogo Tours podcast. My name is Chad Durham. I'm Jay Campton. Hey, I'm Eric Wood. <laughs> Excuse me, and we are coming to you remotely, doing the best we can with our audio. Apologies if you lose any of our really eloquent and amazing things that we say because of our internet connections. Um, today, we are counting down our favorite five non-musical movie songs. Now, that may sound like, you know, kind of a long title there. We were somewhat inspired by the online publication, The Ringer, which did a list of songs that were not from traditional musicals, um, songs that were performed in movies, but not performed by characters singing their feelings. So these aren't just people suddenly being like, da-da-da-da-da, I'm going to sing about what's happening. This is songs that, for whatever reason, are performed in movies, but are actually happening. People are watching the performance, or they're performing it quietly for someone. Okay, um, so these often are uh, movies that deal with bands, bands that exist in the movie, or it might be performers within the movie, um, or something like that. Okay, um, as an example, a move, a song that didn't make my list. Um, the last song, I think it's called, it's actually just called School of Rock, I think, School of Rock, um, that they wrote for the movie, which is like, and if you want to be the teacher's pet, if you've seen School of Rock, you know the song, it's pretty great, uh, definitely was one that I wanted to include, but it didn't make my top five, that's the type of thing we're talking about, because School of Rock does have music in it, and could be called a musical, quote unquote, but no one in the movie is singing you know, necessarily their feelings. There's a band and they're performing, that type of thing. It wasn't, it wasn't originally a musical, although it is now a musical. Yeah, it is now a musical on Broadway. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so the general gist, although some of us may have broken some of these rules, is uh, the songs are written for the film that they're in. They're performed in some way in that movie. And that movie is not a traditional musical. Okay. And again, you can find online, if you go look up The Ringer and put movie songs, um, they did like a list of like 12 that their various writers came up with to celebrate some we'll of these songs that aren't we'll often celebrated. Yes, we will tweet it out. Look at you. Yes, we will. We will, we will. Also, some of us that broke some of those rules <laughs> need, needed just a wider variety and went with music in movies that nice. is not a musical. So okay, beautiful. I broadened it, and I broke rules. Nah, it's cool. It's totally cool. I mean, it's the first rule that I wrote, but it's fine. I'm just kidding. And if I do it again, I will be thrown out. <laughs> Immediately. Uh, like, in fact, during this episode, I'm just going to mute you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, do it. Go all right, it. so since this is kind of like a, a, a bit of an off-kilter category, although I had a ton of fun with this, and I'll say some more about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> let's have either of you, whoever speaks up first, what, what were kind of your guidelines for what makes a good movie song like this? What, what were the things that elevated some of these to your top five? What characteristics? I'll speak up. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to ruin your reasons, Chad, because- No, I'm no, please, serious, please. But I agree with all of yours. Um, yeah, yeah. Say it. You want me to read them? Please, say, uh, say whatever you want to say. 
a little reverse <laughs> reveal here. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> I mean, so of course there's the baseline of like, how good is the performance itself, right? Which is a very subjective thing. Uh, but of also, of course, how much do I enjoy the song itself, regardless of, you know, how it's being presented in the movie. Um, but a big one for me that for almost my, my whole top five, there's kind of one exception, but overall, mine are all uh, emotional songs that are used in kind of like emotional crux uh, points of movies where, you know, emotions are high, people are feeling a lot of things and and I, therefore, feeling things, feeling things. Um, and so because of that, I kind of tie the song with the movie and, it, you know, whatever fills me with the nostalgia when I hear the song or just makes me think about how incredible the movie is. Nice. Um, so I, I'm weighted further in that direction than just like, oh, that was a fun song they sang or whatever, uh, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, also, I think a unique something I considered, even though we're just talking about the music here, is how it's presented visually in the movie because with this particular category we're taking on uh the nature of it means they usually are performing like chad said in a concert or for one person and i think there's a challenge that comes with that which is how do you make that visually interesting and uh most movies will i think the most common solution is do a short version of the song and it's like a minute or a minute and a half and then release the longer version on the soundtrack or whatever um, just because it's hard to, how do you just show someone singing a song and keep your audience interested? Uh, someone in my top five, though, for sure have full-on three to four-minute songs, which I, I have a lot of respect for when they're able to pull that up and also keep you engaged the whole time. Nice. Eric, do you want to add anything? Uh, yeah, for me, it was just very less uh, all-encompassing, less about the whole performance, just as it does it stand out to me when I'm like, oh, that when I hear that song, do I instantaneously think of the movie and, you know, some sort of enjoyment, fondness. It was really just kind of basic. There's a lot of different things, a lot of different songs. Some are drama, some are comedy, all enjoyable. That was kind of my rule of thumb. Nice. When I would add, I just want to add two things. One is... I love what Jake said about like, it's, it's less about how, uh, just like if it's a catchy song or whatever. And I would say I, I gave maybe a little more love to some that I'm just like, I just love this song. You know what I mean? Chad, Chad loves catchy. Chad loves I catchy. I do love catchy. You know, yeah. You, I mean, <laughs> I'm, what am I going to do? Deny what my entire life is based upon. Um, and then, but then secondly, too, what, what kind of in reading what the ringer wrote, what they were celebrating and what I wanted to celebrate is this idea, not that it's harder to do this, but in a musical, you kind of present, okay, and now they're feeling things, let's have them talk about those. Here, you have to do some of that, but in a more realistic way, like this is still a performance, this is still a band, but can we be saying something also uh, in a way that works? And I think that can be trickier. It can't, I don't want to say it's easy to write songs for musicals. It's absolutely not. And there are, you know, so many gorgeous Broadway songs. But there might be more nuance sometimes to some of, of what, we're, what we're celebrating today, maybe. And so, so sometimes I wanted to, to uh, reward that, I guess. 
yeah, I like I like the idea of just giving credit for using an apt song for a purpose, whether it's drama, comedy, you know, whatever storytelling you're doing outside of the musical, because I feel like the musical, you're very focused on that, you know, just giving credit where credit's due, using good music. Nice. Okay, um, let's jump in. Let's let's talk about ones that missed our lists. And since I have so freaking many, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go first. <laughs> Do it. And then uh, you guys can jump in with ones that didn't make your list. So these were these were tougher cuts for me. Um, I mentioned the School of Rock song, and then Falling Slowly from Once uh, was a tough one for me, which also became a Broadway musical. Um, Belleville Rendezvous, which Jake and I talked about before we started recording from the triplets of Belleville. And then any number of songs from Begin Again, which is also written and directed by the guy who wrote and directed Once, with Falling Slowly, John Carney. So Lost Stars, which is performed by Adam Levine, and then a bunch of songs performed by Kira Knightley, all of which are meant to like kind of express what she's going through. Tell me I if almost, you want to go home. What's that? I, I just was going to say, I almost wonder if we'll hear about this John Carney again before this episode's over. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Absolutely not. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and then, and then my three that were the last three cut. These were incredibly difficult for me to cut for so many different reasons. Garbage truck from Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, Fever Dog from Almost Famous, uh, which is a pretty great song written by Nancy Wilson from Heart, who I think is married to Cameron Crowe. Um, I don't, I don't love it quite. I don't listen to it quite as much outside of Almost Famous but I think it really evokes an era and gives you a sense of who Stillwater is when they come in with Fever Dog. Like it's just really like 70s and it just works really well. And then um, Remember Me from Coco, which is written by Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez who wrote all the Frozen music and wrote a bunch of the Scrubs musical music. Um, ultimately Remember Me as gorgeous as it is, and I really feel like it's a moving and haunting song, and it works really, really well in the movie, it was just so short that even though that's not one of my criteria, I had to come up with some way to cut out of my top five, and it's like a little lullaby. I mean, it basically is a lullaby, and it's gorgeous, and it'd be cool if it shows up on either of your lists, but ultimately, it's like a minute and a half song, and I, so I gave some love to some long Cool. I should probably do mine real quick because you named two of my three honorable mentions. Oh, nice. Uh, Fever Dog is an honorable mention. Uh, ultimately didn't include just because of the emotional element. I don't really have with it. But, it, but I do love what you said. It's so high energy and you're like, oh, this is what kind of band they are. Yeah. Uh, Drive It Like You Stole It from uh, Sing Street. I'm going to go honorable with that one. Really only because I have not seen that movie since it came out. So I just don't feel like I could fairly like talk about it in the way it deserves because I just don't sure. remember the context well enough. Um, my third one, uh, honorable mention, is the Moon Song from Her, which I excluded because it's not really performed. Uh, and also, it's just, it's kind of a silly, dumb, fun song. I mean, it, it has a nice, it has its place in the movie, but it's- Yeah, the tone of that. I like that one a lot. That's a good, oh yeah, good it works, so, it works really well. Yeah, that's a great honorable mention. Um, and I, I wanted to mention one more thing. You just reminded me because you mentioned a specific song. Um, if I have 
so the the movies in my top five, almost all of them have other songs that were honorable mentions, and I'm just going to briefly mention them when I mention that movie. Okay. I I just realized like oh yeah because they're almost all of them have another one or two or three or four that were in the mix too, but I didn't want to put the same movie on in my top five more than once. So I'm saving those honorable mentions for a brief mention before, you know, I hit the top five. Good deal. Eric, did you have any that that missed? Yeah. My honorable, um, Sing Street, you guys hit on that one already. Uh, That Thing You Do, um, made honorable for me. Basically anything in Inside Lewin Davis, uh, (laughs) taking any of those. Um... The other one, Reservoir Dogs, stuck in the middle, you know, that whole thing. I threw that one in my honorable mentions. <laughs> That's uh, about the, uh, the, the shortest quote-unquote performance as he, <laughs> as he sings along. <laughs> That's stretching. Well, I love that so, as yeah. I love you interpreting that as the performance of Stuck in the Middle with You is very nice. Uh-huh. Um, nice. Right, yeah. Uh, a, a few of your guys' honorable mentions movies will, uh, I'll be mentioning soon in a minute. Um, all right, Jake, you want to start us out with your number five non-musical movie song, your, your fifth favorite? Yeah. yeah and, tell us, and tell us why, of course. Of course, yeah. When I said you, you're probably like, I didn't mention two of his honorable mentions. That's because you actually mentioned my number five, which uh-huh. is... Garbage truck from Scott. Yes. Um, so yeah, this is probably this is my one uh, unemotional inclusion, um, and uh, I had to include something from Scott Pilgrim though. And I, I looking at all the songs, I, Garbage Truck is the best choice, I think, uh, just because kind of similar to Fever Dog, um, in Almost Famous. It's just like, hey, this is what this, <laughs> it's like this is what this band is, you know. Um, I know you've already had another song at that point in the movie from Sex the Bomb, uh, but man, the way that it establishes their place in in the uh, local music scene and like kind of what their vibe is and what they do, it's just so fun. Um, it's funny because the song is so, it's silly, right? It's it's dumb, but it's like the way that it's delivered is so self-serious and uh, I, and it's catchy though. That's the thing. Is it yeah. stick in the head? Big big shout out to Beck, who wrote like almost all the songs that Sex Bob-omb sings in Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Um, shout out to him because they just work so well and they have that grungy feel. It feels like he almost had to scale back his songwriting in a really interesting way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, since I did kind of, I, I will with a lot of these mention just how they're visually presented in the movie and I, there's some really fun intercutting that goes on throughout that song, you know, with all the yes. other characters involved as well, um, that kind of sets up relationships and stuff. So there's my five. And since I, I'm known for doing this, just a little piece here in my garbage truck, 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 truck. Also, by the way, one of the greatest gags in Scott Pilgrim, one of the greatest throwaway gags, when young Neil in the background messes up the lyrics to garbage truck. It's oh, no. funny. It's funny to oh. me like every single time and it's not even like a big moment. Yeah, like, oh no. And then he just goes, nah. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. Awesome. I love that you had it on your list. That was a tough one for me to for me to cut just because of uh, the great work Beck did in writing the couple sex bomb songs and Scott Pilgrim. Eric, you want to hit the number five? 
Yes, I do. So my number five, once again, breaking rules. I'm going to start with my best friend's wedding. Um, oh. I say a little prayer for you. In, in breaking the, uh, the rules, this is a great one to break the rules with. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So uh, the performance in there by uh, the uh, Julia Roberts and the whole, uh, the whole family there. Yeah, Rupert uh, Everett especially. Oh, yeah, Rupert Everett's great in that. It's just one of those ones that stands out. Uh, not specifically written for this, but, you know, put together really nicely. Yeah, that is, that's one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. Uh, I, and I mean that sincerely. As bombastic right. as I am. Um, that movie came out in the nineties and I, you know, was still kind of discovering movies and stuff. And it's really, it's a really heightened scene. Like it's hard to even believe cause they're all singing so well, but mm -hmm. it, man, man, it works super well in my best friend's wedding. Even though I, it seems like it may be, um, <laughs> we'll see. I don't know about the rest of your list, Eric, but it may be like <laughs> Jake and I are doing one version of a list and then Eric is doing this other version, which is cool, which is totally cool. Uh -huh. We'll be, we'll be living, we'll be living different lists. Um, yeah. All right. I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up my best friend's wedding. That's a fantastic scene. Okay. My number five and my, and I, as I told uh, Jake before we started, uh, my number five has switched multiple times today. Um, I tried to not do ties, you know, I've been chastised too many times and not to be like, I have to do 10 to include all of these. Um, uh, and also I had been listening to these songs for the past week, like all of these songs to try to get the vibe and remind myself, this is probably, uh, the funniest one on my list. And it, it just hits such an incredible line of parody and greatness at the same time. Um, and it is technically based on some other like protest songs. Uh, this is Please, Mr. Kennedy from Inside Lewin Davis, um, oh, yeah, which, which is written by, just to give a shout out to the writers, Ed Rush, George Cromartie, T. Bon Burnett, Justin Timberlake, and Joel and Ethan Cohen, the directors of Inside Lewin Davis. Um, incredible performance by all three of the actors, Oscar Isaac, Adam Driver, and Justin Timberlake. Um, as Justin Timberlake is so earnest, Oscar Isaac has to, to shake off the like disgust he kind of feels with doing what he's doing. And then you have Adam Driver doing some of the most hilarious vocal comedy, but with such nuance with his whole outer space and all kinds of other things. Um, if you haven't been able to see it, it's on YouTube. And it's, it's like, it, it all, I would listen to it all day. Like it's super catchy. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's incredibly weirdly written. Um, but it's perfect for what they're doing in the scene. Like it walks the line so well. Um, and it really understands the style and the, and the kinds of songs that it's mocking. Um, absolutely love. Please, please Mr. Kennedy. <laughs> and it, it took number five after a lot of soul searching. Um, anyway. It's great. Number five. It's great. Number five. Shout out to the Cohen brothers and that whole. That Big time whole shout out you. to the Coens. Yeah. Um, and some really fun stuff even before the song starts when they're talking about exactly how to sing the song and, you know, what they're going to do. It's, it's pretty funny. All right, Eric, what's your number four that is totally uh, in tune with? <laughs> that may or may not be in a completely different list. Number four. Uh, the, the 1986 classic Top Gun. We'll take that. 
you've lost that love and feeling. Yep, yep, that's the one. That is the one performed by Tom Cruise and uh, Anthony Cruise. Edwards, right? There we go, Anthony Edwards. I couldn't think of his name. So, uh, and again, a fun-loving song. When I hear that on the radio, I think I got to go home and watch Top Gun. So nice. Yeah, it's a great scene. Go see it. I think we'll maybe even from now on we'll have Eric go first every time. So he'll be doing yeah. his. He'll be doing his, which is like songs that were written but performed really humorously or fun or awesomely in movies, mm -hmm. and then and then we'll be hitting ours. Um, I do love that scene in Top Gun, though. It's fantastic. Tom Cruise is really great in it, and especially right. people who who kind of have this image of Tom Cruise, like there's really kind of a cut loose type of thing that he does in that scene. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, my number four comes from the movie Hearts Beat Loud, um, starring uh, Kiersey Clemens and Nick Offerman. There are a bunch of really great songs in it, all played by Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens, who will play a father uh, and a daughter who both have some musical ability and kind of like work through their relationship by starting this band for a little while and getting like weirdly kind of famous, just like many famous. There's a song called Shut Your Eyes that Nick Offerman sings. That's really, really sweet, and it's just him on the guitar. And there's a song called Blink that um, Kiersey Clemens sings about her girlfriend um, that are both really nice, but I ultimately, my number four is the title song, Hearts Beat Loud. It's written by Keegan DeWitt, and there are two different versions of Hearts Beat Loud in the movie Hearts Beat Loud. There's a version that Nick Offerman and her do that's kind of like their anthem. Um, and then there's also a version we get at the end of the movie. The lyrics are exactly the same but Kiersey Clemens sings like a stripped down version and it kind of shows like a little bit of how she's grown and where she's going with her life. And so they use it to kind of show some of this growth and, and understanding and the song really like at the risk of sounding too cheesy, it is the beating heart beneath the movie. Hearts be loud. I know Jake, I know it's really, really too easy there, but also it's true. Um, and keeping the bit with all the music for Hearts Be Loud, all of which works really well in the context of this, movie about these two kind of reconnecting and understanding each other before she goes off to college and hearts beat loud kind of really gives us that through line so my number four hearts beat loud from hearts beat loud okay Hit us uh, up, i'm gonna go really popular and safe with my number four um but i'm going with shallow from, yeah uh, shallow mm -hmm, i had to uh you know I, I could have tried to do a deep cut or some. We may hear that one again at some point. Yay! On someone's list. I don't know. I mean, we have to. So, uh, yeah, we've talked about that scene, I like, in various contexts. But um, it, I think we're all somewhere in the realm of feeling it's one of the best scenes in that movie. Yeah. Uh, when you have the context, especially, it's a great song on its own, but the buildup of getting to know uh, Lady Gaga's characters and securities um despite you know writing her own music and then having this opportunity to do it unexpectedly um i think it's just it's uh it's incredible uh, and beautifully directed by bradley cooper as well yeah yeah you you talked about that visual element when you were talking about the things you looked for and that shallow really works well there as as you know as we've talked about ad nauseum but it's worth repeating on this on this episode because that's what makes shallow work so well hear yeah. it on the radio it works Watch them sing it on the Oscar stage, it works, but also it's really important to uh, what's happening in the movie and what's happening to these characters. Nice. There's my Eric, number three. 
Number three. All right. Pulling it up here. I got to double check myself. Number three, the 1999 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> Heath Ledger performed. Frankie Valley. Uh, can't, can't take my eyes off, off you. you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite songs, period, of all time, the Frankie Valley version. Oh, yeah. Great song and uh, performance. Just fantastic. The, the, everything that happens in that scene, it just it stays with me. I mean, I love that before I saw the movie. After seeing the movie, though, that's you gotta go. You gotta go check that out. If you haven't seen that, at least go check out that clip. Go YouTube that. Yeah, a really cool Heath Ledger thing. Uh, also important to the plot going on there. I'm really kind of digging this like parallel different list thing that we're doing because <laughs> because with with you we didn't do the same thing, Eric. So we're like. Oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. Ten things I hate about you, Frankie Valley. Like I'm into that. You have three great performances so far of of you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, Jake. What's your number three? Uh, my number three actually does technically break a rule, um, and I figure that Chad cheats constantly. When we make <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> they won time. So I thought I could have, you know, this one time to break the rules. So, uh, and actually, though, the reason, like, the reason it's here is when I first watched this movie, um, I truly thought that this was a original song, uh, an original song written for it. Um, and it is fairly well, also known as Dink's song from Inside Lewin Davis. Yes. Uh, and man, as far as I'm concerned, it is original to that movie, just in the way that it's performed by Oscar Isaac. And I am thinking specifically of his performance scene, because the song's used in a few different ways uh, throughout the movie. But there's a particular full-length scene where he performs the whole song at the end. And the weight that it carries thematically with what you know the song means to him at that point in the movie, um, is it, it's what makes the final emotional beats of the movie work for me, is in that song. Um, and man, his voice is beautiful. Uh, Inside Lewin Davis, I probably mentioned this in the best of the decade, but I, I'm floored by how engaging every song remains when they're, they're always performed in full in that movie. You ha constantly have these three to four minute songs and uh, I'm never bored. I can never take my eyes away from Oscar or whoever's singing because sometimes it's someone else. But, I can't uh, take my eyes off of you. Yeah, <laughs> off of you Oscar Isaac. Um, <laughs> So anyway, I uh, just, I can't ever get enough of that song. It makes me want to cry and just watch Inside Lou and Davis again every time I hear it. So Break and Rolls, it is an old folk song not written for that movie, but didn't know it the first time. That's how powerful it was. Yeah, I actually had this on my Spotify playlist because I thought it was written for the movie. And just recently, like yesterday, the day before, saw that it was like a traditional folk song. Um, and I was like, oh, and <laughs> I have such affinity for the silliness of please mr kennedy that i may have you know gone with please mr kennedy anyway um but fairly well is gorgeous and there's a really cool version too with marcus mumford and oscar isaac backing him up that's on the soundtrack sounds sounds very mumford and sunsy um so you you you, you can and you can feel that emotion not as well as when oscar isaac performs it in, in mm -hmm. yeah that's awesome awesome thank you all right my number three this was uh, the hardest song for me to decide because it is from Sing Street, which was mentioned earlier, um, written and directed by John Carney. 
And there are so many songs in Sing Street that work really well for what they're doing. Because you have Go Now at the end, which was written by um, John Carney and Glenn Hansard, who was in Once, and Adam Levine. And it's this final thing of them trying to go off and do their thing. You have Brown Shoes, which is like a protest song about this like headmaster who's, uh, you know, like at this religious school who's been like really persecuting them and stuff. And then you have Drive It Like You Stole It, which has this incredible like dream sequence and is just such a catchy song. And it's been Drive It Like You Stole It on my number three all the way up until today when I changed it to my number three is To Find You from Sing Street, which is a song that the main character in the movie writes for the girl that he, that he really likes, loves. And they perform it at their final performance and they cut back and forth between him performing it and her listening to it and kind of understanding like, oh man, maybe this is more than just this kid that like kind of has this infatuation. And then he's performing it really, really emotionally at the dance, kind of wishing she were there. Um, and they have the cutting back and forth and it just really elevates the scene. And it's a really beautiful song written by Gary Clark and maybe John Carney. I couldn't find confirmed anywhere other than, than Gary Clark. Um, so to find you from Sing Street, with a little bit of a, a little bit of an upset over Drive It Like You Stole, which is such a catchy song. <laughs> um, but to find you, really moving, uh, really, really gorgeous. All right, number two, Eric, number two on your totally the same as ours list. <laughs> number two, the 2018 A Star Is Born. Oh, this is actually, uh, this is actually, th this works. Yeah, Lady, <laughs> Lady Gaga. Um, I told you it was going to come back around. So yeah, yeah. Shallow, good stuff. Well, and and uh, I'll just jump in. That's my number two. Also, my number two is also shallow. Uh, the one I mean, it had to be on all our lists unless we were just like deciding monsters. To not include it. You know it what I mean? Yeah, it, it it hits all those things we've been talking about. It's a beautiful song, and um, you know, one of my favorite scenes from the last couple years really shows what Bradley Cooper can do within a scene. Um, uh, he's, as a, as a performer and as a director, and the Matthew Libatique cinematography just elevates the song. And um, it's Oscar winning because it should be Oscar winning. Like it's, it's up in the annals of songs written for movies, period, musical or not, as far as I'm concerned. So that's my number two. Jake, number two. Number two. Uh, I did not discriminate based on length, and my number two is Remember Me. Uh, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. And uh, man, when I realized this one qualified because it was on the ringer list, I was like, oh, it, it does, huh? And I realized it has kind of a unique place in like a Disney slash Pixar animated movie in that it fits the criteria for this list we're talking about. Because um, I was like, oh, yeah, if I can do Disney songs, let me think of another one. And I couldn't because they're always musicals pretty much almost always yeah. or or just soundtracks they don't do like performances usually so yeah yeah um, kind of unique that way that this is like one of the only disney songs that qualified but i'm so glad it does because man it, remember me is definitely for me as i'm sure for many people what what sends me over the edge into sobbing territory in coco um the way that yeah. it's reprised uh you know and in, in key moments is just so nice it's it's effective uh, it's it's so simple right such a simple plea remember me but oh man makes me want to watch coco again right now just thinking about it 
Yeah, no, thank you. And thank you for that great explanation. And like you said, you hear it once at the beginning with no real context, and then you hear it a second time in the middle, and it really hits home, and, and it's a turning point in the movie. And then the climax is just, it's, it's movingly put together. Mm. It, it works so well in that moment at the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you. Appreciate the, uh, the emotional uh, connection. Uh, and shout out to the Lopez's because they've done a lot of, of good work. Um, and they also wrote Avenue Q, the music and, and lyrics for Avenue Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, they're, they're good. Um, all right. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, Eric, your number one number non-musical one. movie song. Cameron Crowe, classic, 2000, almost famous, Tiny Dancer, performed by the whole oh, group Oh, Tiny the Dancer, of course. Mm-hmm. Had to do it. I broke more rules, but I had to do it. Yeah, no, I'm glad <laughs> you, had, you had Shallow on the Cameron Crow. so you had one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, I show that scene uh, in Filmlet every year because it's such a masterful use of uh, music evoking era and the way that it, uh, we talked about this on the roundtable episode, the way that it moves from us thinking only we hear it to them hearing it and then us particip- co-participating in the movingness of the collaborative effort on it. I also show it uh, to my classes. It's it's just, it that scene just captures everything that you want and yeah. uh, does it very well. Yeah, yeah. I do too yeah. after you mentioned it, Chad. You, you, uh, you do not know the legions of students you've inspired by uh, telling us that you share that scene. <laughs> you say you I show it now too? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it works really. And it just shows kind of how to, as a filmmaker, to understand that, that there are rules, but then you can break those rules in really interesting ways and have it pay off in a really big way, which I think is, is cool. Um, all right. Uh, awesome. Thank you, Eric. What's your number one? What's your favorite non-musical movie song, Jake? Ooh, okay. My, no one's come anywhere near this, so I think it may be unique here. Um, my number one is a one-on-one solo performance in the movie that it's in. Uh, it is Waltz for a Night, sung by Julie Delphi in Before Sunset. Oh, nice. Kind of a, a curveball maybe here. Yeah, um, yeah, but a good curveball good curveball yeah so and I mean these movies are lesser seen than a lot of the ones we've been talking about Um, but this comes at the very end of uh, the second in a trilogy that takes place in real time uh, chronicling the relationship romantic relationship between two people so this is in the second one uh, that takes place a full nine years after the first movie does so you have a lot of emotions built up with what's going on between these two people And I don't, it's kind of a spoiler to explain the context of the song too much, but essentially it just kind of reveals exactly how strongly someone feels and how much they've been thinking about someone else. Um, All revealed exclusively through the lyrics of the song. It's the very end, isn't it? Uh, There's like, yeah, there's two lines after, but it's like, it's right at the very end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, And so, it's just out of all these songs, it's the one that I probably visit the most listening to it, uh, just so I can bask in how much I love all of those movies and how this song, I think, represents uh, the spirit of all of them, basically kind of the tone of, of the movies. So consider this a shout out as well for Before Trilogy, directed by Richard Linklater, and uh, home to my number one movie song, Lost for a Night. 
beautiful one. Um, yeah, uh, we haven't had enough time to shout out the Before Trilogy, which is incredible writing and incredible acting. I'll say and, now I'd do a whole episode just on the trilogy. Just oh, yeah. I was just thinking that while you were speaking. Oh, like, we should probably just do a whole episode on the Before Trilogy. Um, so, so to give some love to Richard Linklater and just That's, celebrate yeah. some of the most nuanced and subtle filmmaking and kind of the like cousin or, or no, I guess it'd be like the godfather to um, uh, Boyhood. Yeah. It's kind of like a, a, a similar thing to what he's doing in Boyhood. Um, and I, I mean, I don't want to say better or not or less good than Boyhood because I think they're both their own thing. But um, it just really is that compulsion that Richard Linklater has to get as close to real life as he can in, in those movies. Yeah. Really pays off. I think every time I've said let's do a like top five link later. It's really just because I want to talk about the before trilogy. So I know, I know. Maybe that's just what we got to do. Uh, I, I think, I think we do. Mom. I think we do. Okay. Um, and my number one is nowhere near as um, emotional as either of the two. You guys just, mine, we're going to end with something a little more light and catchy. Um, as a brief shout out here, I think I may have mentioned this before, maybe not. Uh, a month ago or so, Adam Schlesinger who is one of the founding members of Fountains of Wayne, passed away due to coronavirus complications. Um, I, I like Fountains of Wayne a lot. He also wrote 157 songs for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, it's kind of like, and, he, and then he produced uh, the Monkees album that came out in 2016, which kind of like was critically acclaimed for showcasing like the Monkees old style in a new way. And Adam Schlesinger, like he went and found current artists who love the monkeys and he had them submit songs that they thought would be monkey style. So he is like really cool. And I've been listening to a lot of his stuff lately because he passed away. And one of the things he's most known for is for writing the title track to that thing you do. Um, because they had submissions and he just kind of did it. And most of the most of the fictional bands said the minute we heard that thing you do that he wrote, we were like, this is the one. And I wanted to give all of that Adam Schlesinger shout out and a big shout out to that thing you do, which is not my number one. <laughs> that thing you do is gorgeous. And it's, it evokes an era so beautifully. And you hear it so many times throughout the movie. And you well, I shouldn't speak to others. And I never get tired of it because it's meant to kind of give you this very specific feel. But ultimately, I had to give the number one spot to the movie, to the song from That Thing You Do that's always held my heart even more. A quick other shout out, Mr. Downtown from That Thing You Do, which is like supposedly the theme from this fake TV show. Um, it really like gets a lot of these details right. And then I want you to know when you hold my hand, you hold my heart. Which is another song from That Thing You Do. But my number one is performed in the movie by The Wonders. And you get to hear them perform very few other songs besides that thing you do. And then at the centerpiece of the movie, they're, they're performing um, on this huge show. And Tom Hanks' character, who's like kind of like their like agent guy, he's like uh, stalking the stage to kind of make sure everything goes okay. And they sing the song Dance With Me Tonight, which is my number one favorite movie song in a non-musical by Scott Bogness and Rick Elias. Um, and it's so freaking catchy. I don't know if you've ever heard, I don't know how many of you are big That Thing You Do fans, but it's come on and dance with me tonight. 
and there's an incredible moment in it when they hit this they build up to this beat and Tom Hanks's character is in the background and he gives this little fist pump right on the moment where they hit this perfect thing and they're like all singing at the same microphone and it just feels like you're at a concert in whatever the year is. I don't remember what the year is. The 50s? Seems right. It's 50s, I think. Feels like you're at this concert and what it really does for me in that moment is it really showcases what Tom Hanks and his filmmaking crew did in that thing you do, which was evoke an era so completely and invoke an idea. And the idea of that thing you do is, is one hit wonders. I mean, they're even called the freaking wonders. Like they don't make it subtle. But what I love about Dance With Me Tonight is it showcases also that like a lot of these bands, they could have done a bunch of other things. They had all these other cool songs, but it's all about, we gotta sell, we gotta sell, we gotta sell, we gotta bleed these guys as much as they can. And if they end up breaking up and going into, we don't care. Like it's about making money, but dance with me tonight. You get a glimpse of what this band could have been. And you get a glimpse of like the hysteria and you feel like I'm there right now and dance with me tonight does it because it's the only time that you hear it. So instead of that thing you do, which is amazing and which you don't get tired of, you get this one super electric moment of like, you know what, this band could have been so much more. And I think it's part of what Tom Hanks is doing in the movie is like, no, 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 like these guys were good and they could have been so much more, but they were, they were played by the system, a system that was designed to just get us as many catchy songs as possible and then get out, you know, and it doesn't really matter who gets hurt. Um, and I think Dance With Me Tonight is a, a, just a glimpse into what could have been. And I just freaking love the song. I listen to it all day, every day for the, since that movie came out and I've never gotten tired of it. And every time Tom Hanks fist pumps in the scene, I fist pump with him. And I just, I'm, I'm glowing in the scene. So Dance With Me Tonight is my favorite non-musical movie song from Tom Hanks's That Thing You Do. Nice. Good stuff. Um, all right, we'd love to hear yours. We'd love to hear your favorites. Even though this is kind of a niche category, you also can see that you can do whatever you want. Eric, Eric, just do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys, do you, do either of you have any final thoughts? Jake or Eric, anything you wanted to say about anything? No, just music. music. Go so, listen to them. Go listen. Yeah, listen to the songs. Uh, yeah, and music's so powerful for storytelling. So I'm it is. This episode. I have two last words. Fever Do down. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Bye.